Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Good morning. How are you doing? All right. Well, I heard that last Sunday for you that were in here, that we had a great message from my friend Chris Bennett on having an excellent spirit and empowering us to go into our homes and neighborhoods and business places and take the excellence of God into every endeavor we journey into. And for those of you that were in Mexico with us, wow, it was incredible. We had over 400 of us uh, down there, and it was a historic moment because the first time, it was the first time we had the opportunity for all people San Diego to worship with all people's Tijuana. And God is doing incredible things down there. This trip was really marked by some of the, the largest crowds we were having on the street and such a hunger and response to the gospel, some great miracles taking place. Uh, one of the most exciting things, though, is what God does in our midst. And uh, sitting on the second row in our last service was Tori Laban, who got dramatically healed on Saturday morning while we were down there. She has suffered through a, a very uh, intense dyslexia throughout her life and said that she would, even in trying to do her training school reading, she'd be able to read about one chapter. She'd often re, uh, listen to the Bible on the Bible app, and while people were praying for her, the power of God touched her in such a, a strong way she couldn't even stand up. She came up just shaking, saying, God has just touched my mind, and my dyslexia is gone. I picked up a Bible and was just flying through it. The next morning, where she said it would, it would, it would be a struggle to read one chapter of the Bible, she sped through six chapters of the Bible. And I was talking to her this morning, saying, how's it going? She goes, it's like I'm learning to read all over again because now I see everything straight and I'm seeing how words are spelled and like this whole new discovery process. Isn't that amazing? Uh, God is a God of miracles and it shouldn't be a surprise to us that he's doing the same things he was doing in the Bible, but wow, it's so fun to be a part of those things. And uh, something I want to invite you into, speaking of the Bible, is as we journey into this new series on the book of Ephesians called our Hope Series, where we're understanding this incredible gift that God gives to us, we're going to be doing a Bible reading plan as well, or a series of devotionals. If you go on the front page of our website, you can sign up. There'll be daily reading and devotionals written by our All People's Church pastors. I'm having a great time over this past couple of weeks studying for this series, and I believe you're going to be deeply impacted as you unveil the different treasures that are in the book of Ephesians. So I want to encourage you to go on the website. You can even do it right now uh, while, while we're talking and sign up for that daily devotional. It'll also be on our app. So I heard something funny this week. Heard about a man who is uh, walking up to a coffee shop, and there's this little boy sitting next to this big dog. And the man says, hi, little buddy, does, does your dog bite? And the boy goes, no, my dog doesn't bite. And so he reaches his hand forward to pet the dog, and the dog goes, Argh! and bites a chunk out of his arm. He goes, ah, son, I thought you said your dog didn't bite. 
The little boy goes, well, that's not my dog. <laughs> if you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. I want to look at a signature verse in this amazing book together, and I'd ask that you read this out loud with me in a loud voice. So let's begin now. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope, in order that you may know the hope. What's it like for the eyes of your heart to be enlightened. I was thinking about that this week. You know, when there's something that all of a sudden for the first time you start to see, and I watched this very moving YouTube clip of what it was like for people to first receive sight after years of not having that or to regain their sight, and I want to take you into it this morning. Born blind and poor, Indian sisters Sonia and Anita have never seen their own mother's face. Desperate parents turned to the nonprofit 202020 for a miraculous 15-minute operation that only costs it was love at second sight when this man saw his wife for the first time in 10 years. Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, how are you? <laughs> I picked you up. A degenerative disease took Alan's eyesight until the Mayo Clinic outfitted him with a bionic eye that registers people and objects using pulsating lights. Look at your kids' eyes, Petey. They're so pretty. Imagine if you couldn't see the beautiful blue hue of your children's eyes. That's what overwhelmed colorblind father Opie Hughes when he opened the surprise package of Enchroma glasses that changed his life. I love how overwhelmed these different people were when they saw for the first time. And I believe that when we see the hope to which God has called us to, we'll be overwhelmed. And so it's such a poignant phrase that the Apostle Paul paints that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened to know the hope. And that's what we're going to be talking about this next month as we talk about the hope series and lead up to Easter Sunday when we discuss the title hope is here you know that the fact of the matter is that we live in a world where many people are hopeless and let's just be honest I imagine almost every one of us has been in a hopeless situation I know myself 
I had a heart condition that you've heard me talk about many times when I was a teenager that left me feeling hopeless. I was in the ER over and over again. Many times they said I wouldn't live. And you look at your life and you think, you know, is there any reason to go on? I, I, I don't think there's, there's hope for me. I've been in relationships before, relationships with people that are very close and there's a breaking or there's a, a bruising where you don't think the relationship will ever be reconciled and that seems hopeless. I've also looked at financial mountains in front of me, not for something I wanted, but something I needed, but then you look at your bank account, you look at your wallet, and the money's not there, and the weight of that can seem crushing. It's a hopeless situation. And I've also had several accidents where in the midst of the accident, I thought that was the end. There was no hope at that moment. And I'm constantly talking to people as a pastor who are finding themselves in hopeless situations. In fact, that's the reason they want to meet with me, as they say, I, I look at my marriage and I don't see a future for us, or my child right now has walked away from the Lord. They're a prodigal, or they're looking at their health situation and saying, the prognosis is not good for me, or I'm in this financial situation, or I have this mental debilitating illness that has just left me hopeless. Life can often deal us a hopeless hand. And that is why it's so important to understand the foundation of hope from Scripture. Ephesians 1.12 says it this way. It's the first time we see the book of hope, uh, the, the word hope in this amazing book. It says, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ may be the praise of his glory. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. This might seem oversimplistic today, but I want to give you the truth, and the truth is hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. You know, that's why it's so powerful when we read in the book of Romans. It says this in Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our hope doesn't come from circumstances. Our hope comes from God, the God of hope. It's one of his names. He is the God of hope. And what scripture says is when we lock on to that, our hope can overflow. The point of this series is not to just make you more optimistic people. That's why we have the Disney Channel. We, we, I mean, isn't that the, the, the truth? Disney movies, you know, there's often some like Debbie Downer character. There's, there's Eeyore and life's never going to be good. And, and, and then some happy Tigger bounces in their life and says, hey, buddy, life's always good. Just make a wish on a star. And if you think it, it's going to happen. And what we know is... That's just not how life works out. But what we build our hope on is the God of hope. He is the foundation for our hope. You know, we can put our hope in, in so many different things and we'll find that we get let down. Proverbs 13, 12 says it this way, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So let me explain it this way. 
when I had my, my physical condition, my, my heart problem, one of the biggest challenges for me was it turned my life upside down, and I had a hope for a certain position. I wanted to be a quarterback. My life's hope was to play for a D1 team and be the quarterback in college. And when my heart condition happened in my life, it stripped football right out from me. And that, in fact, it knocked me out of every single sport, one after the other, and so I was hopeless. Why? Because I had put my hope in a certain position in life. So maybe, maybe you don't relate to that with football. You say, well, I've never been much into football, Robert. I bet you've experienced having a sick heart in this way. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's called being love sick. Uh, Merriam-Webster de defines love sick in this way. Feeling weak, foolish, or unhappy because someone you love does not love you. Have you ever... Uh, Really love someone who didn't love you. In college, I fell in love with this redheaded girl. She, uh, she was older than me. Uh, she, she, she moved in mysterious ways. Uh, some of you remember that. She moves in mysterious ways, right? I mean, she would walk across the room and my heart would just flutter. And I asked her out and she said yes. I even washed my car. I planned an extravagant date. You know, one of those ones where you have like minute by minute it planned out. And at the end of the date, I was like, I had a really good time. Would you like to do this again? And she said, no. <laughs> and then I found out she liked someone else. Oh, that's just, that stinks, right? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so oftentimes we put our hope in something and it, it falls right out from underneath us and we end up in a hopeless situation. And, and that is not God's desire for us. One of my favorite encouraging preachers named Steve Backlund, he's a, a friend of mine, says it this way. He says, any area of your life that's not glistening with hope is one in which you're believing a lie. Any area in your life that's not glistening with hope is one in which you're believing a lie. Why is that? Because the God of hope wants to fill every aspect of your life. I wanna look at how he unpacks this for us in Ephesians 1 today. We're gonna to look starting in verse three. It says it this way, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. This text is overflowing with the blessings that come from a relationship with Jesus. And I want to unpack them one by one for you today because this is the hope that we have. I'd encourage you to take notes as we move through this incredible piece of scripture. Verse 4 says it this way, he chose us. 
Point one today is he chose us. Hope, which is Jesus, hope chose you. Don't you love to be chosen? My, uh, my son cracked me up this week. He came home from school one day and he said, Daddy, Daddy, I got chosen to be the narrator in the school play. And he said, it has the fourth most amount of lines in the whole play. <laughs> oh, so funny, the fourth most amount of lines. But we love to be chosen. We love it when we get chosen for something. something. From, the, from the earliest possible age, we want to be chosen. We want to be chosen to be little Johnny's best friend. And then we want to be chosen on the playground to be on the cool team, right? And then we get a little older and we, we want to be chosen for, for someone to like us. And we want to be chosen to be taken out on a date. And later on, we want to be chosen by this person to get engaged to them. We want to be chosen to be married. We want to be chosen for this job. In the job, we want to be chosen for the promotion. Our whole lives, we spend with this desire to be chosen. God put that desire in you to be chosen. But I want to tell you that he's the one who fulfills that desire by choosing you as his beloved child. I believe it was like this, this morning before you ever got up, Father God was sitting in heaven on his throne. The angels gathered around him and one of the angels was saying, hey God, what are you doing? What are you looking at so intently down there on earth? And he said, that one, that's my girl and I choose her. That's my son. The angel said, that one with the bed head and the funky breath? He said, yes, I chose that one. Do you know that God chose you? If you've given your life to Jesus in this room, it's because he chose you first. He saw you out of all the people on the earth, and he said, that one I want as my child. I want to draw them near. You are chosen. You might have never felt chosen in your life, but you're chosen by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Look at what it says next in verse 4. In love, in love he predestined us. You know, some of you think that God loves you because God has to love you. Well, of course God loves me. I mean, that's who God is. God is love. So he's kind of forced to love me. But there's a difference between being forced to love someone and being in love. Have you ever been in love before? Like really in love. I'm not talking about love with that red-headed girl in college. I'm talking about where you are in love. I want to tell you about how I fell in love with Stephanie. You want to hear it? I'm going to tell you whether you said yes or not. <laughs> it, it was our uh, six-month date. I, I had been in like for a long time. But I remember taking Stephanie on our six-month anniversary date. I, I took her to a restaurant called Green Pastures. We sat in a corner table. There was a little votive with a candle. And I still remember exactly what she was wearing. She was wearing this cute little white sundress with blue little flowers on. And I, I even remember her eye makeup. She had like these little lines right here. Like, <laughs> and, and I was just staring at her going, I am so in love. It was that night where my heart was like pounding. And I remember after we ate, I, I said, let's go for a walk. And we're walking on this green, lush grass. And I just stop her. And I mean, I felt like I was just going to gush forth every word that I'd ever thought about how intoxicated I was by her beauty. And luckily, I didn't say it all. <laughs> I was going to wait until we got engaged. But 
I was overwhelmed with emotion. And to think that that pales in comparison with the emotion God feels for me is staggering. And then what I found out later was that that was the, the day, that, the evening that she fell in love with me. And, and I don't know if you've had someone express that they're in love with you before. Like, I remember the first time Steph said, Robert, you're my favorite person on earth. And there's no one I'd rather spend time with than you. That is, is such an incredible experience. You feel so humble. Like, me? Out of the, like, seven billion people on earth? Like, are you serious? But can I just tell you, if you felt that way before, or even if you haven't, you're just hearing about it going, oh, I wish I had it. Can I just tell you that God is in love with you? You see, you're created to want to be in love and to want for someone to be in love with you. And can I tell you that no one will fulfill that like the living God? But it gets better. It says this, in adoption as sons. Can I just tell you, he adopted you as his son or as his daughter? Can I just tell you that you are adopted no one in this room is fatherless if you've received the love of Jesus. I got to be with my friends, the Griffins, J.D. and Liz Griffin. They oversee a, a Antioch, Austin, a, a church in Austin, and they came to Tijuana to do their mission trip with their church. And, and they, you know, they're one of those couples that just kind of has an eye for fashion, so they can't even help it. They just always look cool, you know? It's like, and... and uh, and then their kids, you know, then they dress their kids so they're kids. You know, they have the cool flat bill hat, and they're always like all these style. And, and, and the interesting thing is J.D. and Liz adopted two twins from, from a very poor country that's uh, in uh, quite a bit of turmoil in Africa right now. And these kids didn't have parents, so they grew up in an orphanage. And these children didn't even have the food they needed growing up in this orphanage. And they were deprived of affection and Attention, and so they've been on this journey of teaching these kids that they that they're loved and they're adopted. And they brought them into the family, and and so this was funny because I I show up at our building in Tijuana and I see JD and Liz and I give them hugs and then I see their natural kids, you know, and they're all decked out. And they look just like them, and and then I turn the corner and they're. There around the corner are, are two kids that look nothing like J.D. and Liz facially, but they're dressed just like them. And they even now have like their cool, you know, some people just move cool. Like, I don't understand that, but they, they're dressed just like them and they're just moving, you know, all cool. And I'm like, those are J.D. and Liz Griffin's kids. They'd been adopted into the family. And so it was changing everything about them. Can I just tell you that you're adopted today? That you're brought into a family? It's the coolest family on earth, by the way. And the more you're with Father God, the more you start to look like him. Have you ever noticed that? People who really spend time in God's presence, even their faces start to change. Like, I noticed that. I noticed that. Some, some really hard people walk in this church. I love that about our church. It just, but, but if they jump in and really jump in and experience the presence of God... In about six weeks is what it takes. All of a sudden, their faces just are full of joy. 
And they start glowing. Some of you guys are like turning and going like, that was you, right? right <laughs> Hopefully it's not a husband and wife. Um, you're adopted. There's many people that are walking around in life with this big question mark over them because they've never had a father stamp their identity. Can I tell you that you have a heavenly father that wants to stamp your identity on you today? He wants you to draw near so he can say, this is who you are, my son. This is who you are, my daughter. So you don't have to live with the big question marks over your head so that you don't have to live in insecurity and inadequacy and feeling like you don't belong. You are finally in a place where you belong, and it's God's family. You belong in God's family. Verse 7 says this. In him we have redemption through his blood. This might be a little harder to wrap our minds around because we don't hear the word redemption in our everyday English language. So here's the definition of redeem. To redeem something means to regain something in exchange for a payment. To regain something in exchange for a payment. So let me explain it this way. I grew up on a ranch and would always have a couple of dogs as pets on that ranch. And because it was a ranch and it was a bigger place, there were places where the dogs could just run off. Like they weren't fenced in. But the dogs didn't want to leave usually because they felt very loved and they were fed and they were played with. So we had this one dog named Hans, okay? And, and, and Hans was a very lovable big German shepherd, but Hans was a little mischievous. And so one day, Hans just ran off. And we didn't know where Hans was. And we thought, oh, Hans will come back. And Hans never came back. And so finally, my dad said, you know what? We actually need to go to the pound and see if Hans is there. Because this is what happened. When dogs run off, they get picked up by animal control, and they'd be put in the pound. But back in those days, if a dog wasn't reclaimed, it was exterminated. Don't worry. It doesn't happen anymore. Those were harsh days back, back when I was a kid. So my father loads up us kids in the car, and we go to the pound, and we're walking in, and sure enough, there in the cage was Hans. <laughs> you know, big eyes looking at us. And it was great. My dad didn't go, Hans, you deserve that, you deserter. <laughs> no, instead, he said, how much do I owe you to get my dog out of the pound? And the guy who had already paid for the dog to begin with and it paid for its food every day of its life, paid again to spring Hans out of jail. <laughs> and we put Hans in the car, and he went home with us to live happily ever after. That is your story. Right? I mean, it's simple, and, and it's silly, but we wandered off from our loving father. The Bible says that we all, like sheep, have gone astray, each to his own way. That's what sin is. God loves us. He's provided for us. He cares for us. But we've all turned our back and said, I'm going to go my own way. And that way is sin. And we do all kinds of things that break God's heart. And many people think, well, if I just turn around and do enough good things, I can get back in his presence. But the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, that we all deserve to stay in our little prison pound and be exterminated. But our Father's too loving for that. And so he redeemed us. He paid a price in exchange for our freedom, and that price was Jesus. He sent a son who lived a perfect life, who showed 
the Father's love. In fact, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you're ever struggling, like, God, what are you like? I just don't know. Just look at the life of Jesus. And that perfect one died a gruesome death on the cross, paying the price for our sins. He went into the grave, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, defeating the power of sin and death, and he sprung us out of prison to be re-engaged with the Father's love. You have been redeemed. And on your hopeless days, remember, you are bought with a price. He has set you free to no longer be burdened by a yoke of slavery. But I, I want to continue on this theme for a second because verse 13 and 14 expand on this. It says this, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. So every person in here who's accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, at some point, you heard the message of truth. You heard the gospel. That's why this church is so passionate about proclaiming the gospel. That's why we share it in our schools. We share it in our workplaces. We share it in this city. That's why we have special services like Easter to bring people in to hear the good news of Jesus. That's why I, I preach the gospel almost every week. We need to hear the gospel, but watch what happens next. The gospel of your salvation, when you believed... You are marked in him with a seal. So we hear the gospel, then we believe in the gospel. When we believe, then we're marked. It's not by doing enough good deeds. It's by believing. It's by putting your trust in this that the Holy Spirit comes and marks you with a seal. He seals you. Some of you are living in insecurity. You're like, do I really belong to God? Let me just tell you this. If you believe that God rose Jesus from the dead, if you believe that he died for your sins, then you're marked. You're sealed. And some of you live in this insecurity because you're saying, like, the enemy's trying to get me. Can I just tell you that if you put your trust in Jesus, the enemy looks at you and he sees a big seal right on your heart that says, you belong to Jesus. That should bring you tremendous hope in your struggle and in your pain. You are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Is a deposit the full payment? Well, maybe you need to go back to math because there were five people that knew that. <laughs> One more time. Is a deposit the full payment? No, 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 no. Like you go to a store and they say that's a 10% deposit. That's not the full payment. You're going to get the other 90%. Can I just tell you, when you were redeemed, Jesus purchased your salvation. He forgave your sins. And that is the deposit. Your sins are forgiven and he put the Holy Spirit in you. Wow, that is amazing. Like, no longer do I have to live a life of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy talk from my lips, as the Bible says in Colossians, but now I live by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit fills me because the Holy Spirit is living inside of me. I have access to the gifts of the Spirit as well. But there's still an inheritance coming. Listen, I'm redeemed, and I'm going to be redeemed. I'm redeemed, but I'm going to be redeemed. What do I mean by that? Uh, today, I have back pain because I have scoliosis. And, and, and so it hurts. Like, I, I haven't fully been redeemed yet. Like, uh, you might not have noticed this, but I'm balding. 
Like, I, I, I don't have like a perfect body or, or a perfect head of hair, some would say. I, I, this week, I was fighting a cold. Like, I, I was starting, I, I didn't get it, praise God, but I was starting to get a sore throat. You know, I had that scratchiness where it was going all week, right? And then yesterday, speaking of hopeless situations, I got locked out of my house. And all the keys were in the house. Like, I was outside, one of my kids closed the door, it locked it, no keys. I almost lost my salvation. No, I'm, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. But, but, but I got angry. So here I am with back pain, balding, a sore throat, and I'm angry. I haven't fully been redeemed. But the Bible says that there is an inheritance coming. And one day, I will be in heaven with Jesus, and my back will be completely straight, and my hair will flow like a river. <laughs> and, and my throat, my throat will be like a constant echinacea ball flowing over, a constant stream of, of, of tea pouring over my larynx. And I will not be angry. I will be the fullness of joy. I've been redeemed, but I'm going to be fully redeemed. I, I, I've been redeemed, but I'm going to be fully redeemed. And that is the hope that we have in Jesus. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And here's what I can't promise you. I can't promise you that you're going to get that position that you want. I can't promise you that if you put your hope in that, that you won't be heart sick. I can't promise you that you're going to have the exact relationship with that guy that's so cute, that sits across the aisle from you. I can't promise you that. I can't promise you that you're going to have the exact finances you want. I can't promise you that you're going to have the exact health you want, but I can promise you that if you put your hope in him whose name is hope, you will never be let down. The foundation... The foundation for our life is hope. And I have to constantly check myself to see, is that the primary thing I'm putting my hope in? Because other little things start popping up. And I have to say, no. No, in fact, I have to be like that game in the arcade where that little head pops up and I go, no, boom, and I hit it down. And I say, no, Jesus is my hope. And then another hope comes up, and I go, no, and I hit that down. And it's not wrong to have hopes, but it's wrong for something to take the primary place of hope in our lives. And anytime I start getting hopeless, I realize, oh, it's because I've let another hope take the place of the God of hope. So let me finish by reading you the words of this hymn, this hymn that's been sung for over 200 years. It has an interesting story behind it. It's by a a hymn writer named Edward Moten. He was very different from many of the writers of hymns in the 1700s in that he didn't come from a church background. He didn't have godly Christian parents. Instead, his parents were pub owners. And so young Edward spent the majority of his days neglected and fending for himself on the streets and in the alleyways. And he lived a very normal life and, and got a trade as a cabinet maker and as he was living his life, he started hearing the gospel of hope be proclaimed. And one day on his way to work, this phrase came into his mind. On Christ the solid rock I stand. 
All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And Edward would go on to become a pastor. And one day he was brought into a hopeless situation. He was called upon to make a house visit for a woman who was very ill. And her husband was standing by her bedside and he he looked at Edward and said, would you sing some song that can bring us some encouragement? Would you sing a hymn for us? And instead of singing an old known hymn, Edward sang for the first time these words. Let me read them over you. You can even close your eyes if you want and let these words just wash your mind. He sang, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, and blood support me in the whelming flood. When every earthly prop gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found, clothed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Would you rise with me? And would you pray, we want to put our hope in you. You are the God of hope. We don't want any other foundation. I realized this morning that different ones walked in feeling hopeless because of extreme situations in their lives, Lord. But you are the God of of hope and I want to encourage you for a moment in this room to ask if there's any circumstance, any situation any possession or any person or position that you've been putting your hope in more than the God of hope and if that's the case just tell them you're sorry and see in your mind's eye placing the God of hope as the foundation of your life. And as you do that, I want to address a group in this room that might say, you know, Robert, I don't even know if the God of hope is living in my heart. I'm not 100% sure that I've given my life to Christ. I'm not sure when you talked about redemption and and spending eternity in heaven, I'm not 100% sure I'm going to go there. Can I just tell you, friends, that it's easy. You just express your belief in him. You realize that you can't save yourself but that Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins. He rose from the dead, defeating the power of sin and death. And if you proclaim him, that he's Lord, he'll save you. I want to pray with those who need to make that decision today. You can just pray this right after me. If you say, Robert, yes, today I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. To say, Jesus, I need you. I invite you into my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. 
thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for filling me with the Holy Spirit. And I'll follow you forever. And I want every eye closed right now and, and every head bowed. But if you're praying that for the first time, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I am going to pray a prayer over you right now. If that's you just praying that, would you just wave at me? Just wave, wave your hand boldly. Just wave at me. Awesome. Who else? Awesome. I see you. Just wave at me. Make sure I see you real quick. You can just look up at me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know who else that is. Just wave at me. You say, yeah, today. I'm giving my life to Jesus. Awesome. See you as well. Anyone else? Lord, I thank you for these ones that are giving you their lives. I thank you, Lord, that you're removing their sins from them. And today is the day of their salvation. And we celebrate that with them right now. And we thank you that their names are written in your book. Can I just quickly have the prayer team come forward? Different staff members.